0: When you go through your reentry process, when you go through uh, your own way of finding your way back to life and things are hard, find that thing that brings you to peace, no matter what, reminds you that we are timeless and infinite and grander than, than the whole universe.
1: This is your Kick Ass Life podcast, episode number 366, with guest Christina Rasmussen. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. I want to say thank you first and foremost. Thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who filled out the survey that we had last month. We got such an impressive turnout for those of you that that filled it out and I just I was so touched that so many of you took the time to tell us what you think to give us your feedback about the show as i've mentioned i want this to be better for you this is all about you and what you are getting out of out of it and and your time is so valuable it it is a non-renewable resource and until we create time machines well it's going to be non-renewable, and it's important, and I want to make sure that your time is valued and that you are getting something from these shows. So thank you, thank you, thank you for filling that out. We're still combing through all of the answers and the feedback that you gave us, so I appreciate you so much, so much gratitude to those of you who took the time to fill that out. We're talking about grief today, and you know, 2020 has been quite a year. Grief, as in, yes, people passing away, but everything from job loss to grieving our old lives before covid. and Christina Rasmussen is here and and she was I was connected to her by by a friend. She was introduced to me by my friend Amy Aylers. and she's like, I know you just need to talk to her. You need to have her on the show. Your people are just going to love her. I could listen to her. List out her grocery list. Like I could listen to her all day. She has one of those amazingly soothing voices that was just made for radio. And I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. She's written a couple books. I am going to read her fancy bio and and tell you about them. And I want to just make one quick announcement that we have a couple of spots open for private coaching. So for those of you who are feel like it's a hell yes to get more support, for those of you who feel like maybe you have an inkling of just a kind of a tapping on the shoulder, you might want to fill out the application. Sometimes that in and of itself can feel like a coaching session and and make some shifts in your life and and point to some things that you might want to work on. So you can head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash apply. We've made it easy for you over there and we will respond and let you know what is the best fit for you. All right, let's get on with the show and have this deep and transformative conversation. For those of you that don't know anything about Christina, let me tell you about her. Christina Rasmussen is an acclaimed grief educator, the author of Second Firsts and Where Did You Go? She is also the host of the Dear Life podcast. She is the creator of the life reentry model and has helped countless people break out of what she coined the waiting room of grief to rebuild their lives through her life reentry model. With this, she introduces a new model of grief based on the science of neuroplasticity. She describes grief as a catalyst for redefining identity and outlines the process of re-entry or returning to life. So without further ado, here is Christina. Christina, thank you so much for being here.
0: I am so excited to be here, Andrea.
1: I love that we have never met before. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And as soon as you came onto the Zoom call, we jumped into the deep end together and started talking <laughs> about my deceased father. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's I know kind of your uh your realm, if I if I may. And I, yeah. I want to, you know, everyone got a small introduction of you in the beginning about the work that you do, but but I want to ask you a question. This is something that I read on your website that was so intriguing to me. And and you talk about redefining entry, and, and you say that grief is a catalyst for redefining entry. Can you can you speak more on that, about your philosophy on grief and the process of re-entry or returning to life?
0: So when um, a very catastrophic event happened in my life, uh, which was the loss of my uh, first husband, he was 35 years old with we, we had two little girls. And I my even my body couldn't experience that loss. I thought I thought I was gonna die from pain. Yeah. I thought I I wished it was me dying. He was, you know, my my mind kept saying he was the better parent. He was the smarter person. He was the better person to stay alive. And and he was the love of my life. I um couldn't imagine living in this world without him.
1: Oh my gosh! And
0: I could not. I didn't know how I was going to physically make it. Like mm-hmm. my, bo- I thought my body was going to burst, was going to just explode, I was going to just die. And I used to be also. I, I have I have a master's in counseling psychology, and my thesis on grief and the stages of bereavement. I. Uh, was obsessed with grief and and how we find our way back to living after we lose someone we loved so when when this happened to me um it kind of shook the foundation of, of academia the the, the foundation mm-hmm. of knowledge and and um psychology that i had I turn around and said to myself you have got to be kidding me this is what has been happening to millions of people and this is all we have to help them and re-entry became the word that I used to um, to find my way back out of what I coined the waiting room and the waiting room is when something bad happens in our lives whether it's a death, a divorce, a job loss, or an invisible loss. I call the smaller, um, s- seemingly smaller events of our lives invisible because nobody thinks of them as important, but actually they are catalysts for for depression and anxiety and fear in our life. But all any of those events, when they happen to us, we don't just start over. We don't just... Start a new chapter. We don't just leap out of the old life and land in a brand new one. We go in a place in between, between the life we were forced out of and the life that we could have. And millions of people die in the place in between, thinking that is their new life. That's the life they were supposed to have after their losses. And it's just a waiting space and the brain puts us in that place when we're grieving, but it keeps us there when we are afraid to start again. And my work and my mission in life is to help all these people reenter to a true life.
1: Wow. Okay, I, I didn't. I knew that you had lost your first husband when you were uh, younger, and your and your girls were young. But I didn't realize that that was your background.
0: Yes, I know, right?
1: Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know why. It was the I- irony was not lost on you.
0: Yeah, that, and you know, I, I was, um, I studied in the UK. I did my bachelor's and my master's in England. And when I was choosing, you know, my thesis, I said to the professor, I said, I, I got to study grief. I love people so much. I could not possibly imagine. Losing anyone, uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so you oh, didn't
1: have I... you didn't have any real life experience of losing someone close to you before that.
0: Grand, I mean, when I was young, like grandparents. Okay, you know, okay. like most people, and it was hard, mm-hmm. but I mean, it wasn't a no, nobody. And 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 the and the professor turned around and said, "You, you're such a happy person. Why would you want to to do this?" I said, "I just, I'm just, I just want to do it." And. Um, And when I moved, we moved from, um, the UK, um, to actually at the time to Houston, Texas. And my visa was dependent on my husband's visa. So I was not allowed to work. I uh, started volunteering, um, in hospice. So I sat with a dying. I actually, because of my qualifications, they gave me, they didn't, they couldn't pay me. So I started facilitating their support groups Mm -hmm. and, and then, When we moved um, from there to California and then to Boston, when we were in Boston, he was diagnosed at age 31 um, with stage four colon cancer, and it was terminal from the beginning. And Andrea, I um, knew then this was so much more catastrophic than I ever, ever imagined.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have so many questions, some of them personal and some of them professional. (laughs) I'm just going to kind of go with where the conversation takes (laughs) us. Well, okay. So can you talk about... Well, one of the things that you said when you were talking about grief and loss are these... I think you called them invisible losses. Is that also what they... Um, they were also referred to as i think they're called ambiguous grief Brene brown calls it ambiguous grief so that's like empty nesters or covid i think can be something is that the same thing so y-
0: yes and th- this kind of you know empty nester covid they're all definitely um, invisible and ambiguous and confusing and and not traditional in the in the you know death or divorce kind of grief realm but what is an, an invisible losses um, imagine something happening to you in your life that is not an event per se, like um, like an empty nest or it is a, it is an experience that broke your heart. It could be mm-hmm. a really um, Bad argument with your best friend when you were 15. It could be your first boyfriend uh, making out with your, with your friend. It could be your teacher in school telling you off in front of the whole class.
1: It Being excluded be, in middle school. Yes. Yeah, everybody yes. has some story. So, so these little
0: tiny invisible events that we don't get validation for, acknowledgement, and we are not really processing, they actually dictate the narrative of our life. And in the life reentry model that I developed, which by the way is in clinical trial right now, two, two clinical trials, um, real clinical trials, people are like, are they real? I said, yes, there's a l- exciting big funding for those trials. And um, so there is the narrative that um, actually dictates our experiences, stems from um, these invisible, seemingly small events that have taken place in our life that um, we dismiss, we don't really talk about because they're not big enough or they're not considered big enough. And yet when we take people through that process, Andrea, it's incredible. It almost sheds this light um, and this awareness of our survivor I call it the survivor self the the part of us that survived those events and those experiences and that part has protected us from having those experiences again and in many ways it has put us inside that waiting room so Mm -hmm. when we get hit by a, a big loss like losing your dad like you know getting divorced um losing your spouse, losing a child, the surviving that takes place um, from your brain, the neural pathways that are here to help you are not brand new. They come from the other events of your life and they take over that conversation. So, People say grief lasts forever. It is not Grief and missing someone does last forever, but the guilt, the shame, the fear, the anxiety, those are the things actually that are are much more dangerous um, after loss because they are the ones that actually last until the end of our life and they don't let us leave that stuck place and that waiting room to really experience feeling alive again.
1: Oh, Christina! I feel like we need to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> well, it's I, I, I have a, a, well, I don't know if tumultuous is a dramatic word. Tumultuous relationship with with grief and this topic because you know we've heard in these in these uh, worlds that we run in that if you really want to do the work walk towards the thing that you're most afraid of and for a long yes. time for me it was grief and i've beco- i've befriended it and and have come a long way one of the things that 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 you just said that stuck out to me that i am just realizing right now is that my experience with grief has been so interesting. Um, one one of the episodes of grief is the loss of my first marriage. And it was, it yes. was, it was trauma. I, I describe it as traumatic and dramatic exit. Yes. And what was so curious for me as the years have gone by is when I am triggered by things that should seemingly be innocuous mm-hmm. that, that are indirectly related and, and, weird that will take me out. And it's similar with the death of my father. I, I told, told the story a couple times on my, my podcast that it wasn't his birthday or the anniversary of death that took me out. It was one time seeing a father and a little girl flying a kite. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't remembered that memory of my own for decades. And then all of a sudden I'm in a puddle of tears and was just, I had to take like two days off. But yes. there was this one instance after this was several years after my divorce, and I was finally finishing my bachelor's degree that it had taken me years and years to finish. I was pregnant with my second child. I was remarried to a, the most wonderful man. I'm still married to him, and it was the day of my graduation from Cal State University San Marcos, and I was overcome with grief that my former family wasn't at my graduation party and it was so strange because that family was a was big on celebrations and were so proud of it was a very large family and just lots of parties and celebrating and, and they they lifted up people who when there was big events like that like a graduation or a baby shower or a birthday and it's it, and it what was my reality was a very small celebration there wasn't a lot of hoopla and i was angry that i was mad <laughs> that i was having feelings i should say and once I surrendered to it and realized, okay, this is just part of my grieving process. This doesn't have anything to do with my ex husband. This doesn't have anything to do with my former family. But it was exactly what you said the feelings of shame, the feelings of sadness, of, of loss, and, and, and feeling like, um, feeling sort of lost in a forest. Like I don't actually know what it is that I'm looking for, but mm-hmm. I feel lost and i'm sure that makes sense to you as <laughs> someone who studies this
0: you said something really significant and and it is an invisible loss and there this these invisible losses actually once you learn how to spot them it's life changing afterwards and you said that your former i guess your former family in law were big on celebrations right uh-huh. And um, by the way, I got chills because, (laughs) and I know people will say, why was she having chills about that specific comment? But here's why. When you were in a place later in your life to have a big celebration like that, you actually, deep down, you were grieving not having that big celebration with them.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And and that- And I felt wrong for it in the moment. And you shouldn't
0: be, because that is, that's how you are grieving. You're grieving Uh this lot, this part. Imagine if there's a big puzzle, right? The the, the grief and loss has so many pieces, right? A thousand, two thousand pieces. And that was just one of the pieces. And I'm so glad you are grieving it because if it goes unnoticed, unvalidated, unprocessed, it is, it is, it is actually going to interfere. In Mm -hmm. your relationships, in conversations with your children, with your friends, with Mm -hmm. your, with your marriage today. It, it just, yeah.
1: And that's part of why I told this the story right now and wanted to use that example is because I know that there's people listening yeah. who might have these things happen to them and they make it mean something that it not necessarily is. You know, I, for a moment I had made it. I had made it mean that I was not over my ex husband, and that certainly was not the case. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I still. I mean, that was in 2009 when that happened, and and still now it's 2020, and there will be small things that trigger me, but I immediately know it has nothing to. Do with really anything except my grief, and perhaps my unconscious brain is trying to catch up with <laughs> with 2020, and and I'm still trying to heal.
0: And it's protecting you. So the the narrative, the survivor self, which um, is really the fear center. But I took brain science and and created um, ways in which people can understand what's happening inside the brain. But your survivor self, who has protected you during those very hard moments. Is when you're being triggered and activated, it's your survivor self is trying to protect you in, in this moment in the 2020. And this is why right now we have so many people struggling. It's not just because of what's happening today. <laughs> in our lives which is bad enough it, it is because we have with everyone millions of people have had so much loss in their lives seen and unseen traditional and untraditional and they have coping mechanisms to 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 survive them and those are the the narratives that are taking over and this is why we see so much anger and and just violence and uh, chaos it's 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 hell right now mm-hmm. because all of those voices Are protecting their hosts.
1: Mm, Okay, I I would love for you to speak to that a little bit more because you know we're we're recording this in November of 2020, and over the last, I mean, I'm sure your practice is busy. I know my therapist (laughs) said she's never been busier. I've had a few other therapists on that said (laughs) they've also never been busier in 2020. And and am I correct in in understanding that people are, of course, they're scared and uncertain because of COVID and the economic stuff and racial tension mm-hmm. and social unrest, but it's also re-traumatizing people about things that happened in their past that don't have anything to do with COVID or the election.
0: So what what is happening is that the maps that the brain maps that um, are there to protect to um, put people in in a nice uh, safe space because there's danger mm-hmm.
1: outside
0: are here and the danger that looks. So when, when, when the person is looking outside, they're not just saying, oh, there is COVID, there is, um, you know, unemployment, um, there, there there's political unrest. It says your life is in danger today. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, the narrative is strong. It is much stronger than reality. Not that reality is not dangerous, but imagine it being 10 times worse inside the brain because the brain wants to protect itself and put everyone in the most safe place. And there is no safe place right now. Everything right. is, is unnerving and unsettling. So this is why it looks like everyone is yelling at each other. Everyone is disagreeing. Everyone's being triggered. Um, I guess, yes, we could say they're being re-traumatized, but the way I, I, Maybe I'm saying the same thing, but the way I'm, I am explaining it to people is that, imagine you have this caregiver inside of you, this caretaker, that uh, you the, the bell rings when there's danger for you so this caretaker runs from wherever it is and comes with this blanket and and fire things and like grabs you even though there is no like fire and says we have to go it's like um when the president not necessarily this one but any president there's a threat he's um his bodyguards come and grab him and put him down in the bunker. So it's
1: like a red alert. There you go. Yes, like an alarm. It's like
0: a loud, right. okay. loud alarm that is not necessarily for for the present moment, but for for everything that's happened before. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words about some of our sponsors. You know, I'm a huge advocate for therapy and counseling. I've been going myself for the past 28 years, and lately it's kind of inconvenient to go and see someone in person. That's why I recently signed up for BetterHelp and wanted to tell you what I love about it. BetterHelp will assess your needs by asking you a few quick initial questions online and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can send a message to your counselor anytime you'll get time timely, and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you'd rather do that. It's easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional in-person counseling and financial aid is available. There's a broad range of expertise available so you can get help with things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, and anything you share is always confidential. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. And as a listener of the show, you get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash kickass. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash kickass. How was your voting experience this year? I voted by mail for the first time because our voices matter. Your voice matters, my voice matters, and every eligible voter has a right to make their voice matter. We need to make sure that we are heard by doing things like calling our senators and telling them they need to get back to work and provide emergency funding for USPS and for states to conduct safe and fair elections. Money that was allocated by the House more than three months ago ago, We live in a democracy. Demand that your elected officials have the time to count every vote in the 2020 elections. Decision makers nationwide want to make it harder to get every ballot counted and voice heard. Don't let this stop you from taking a stand to protect your voting and civil rights. They will not silence us. Visit org to call your elected officials today to make sure every vote is counted. That's org, paid for by the Leadership Conference Education Fund. And I thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. And now back to the conversation. Well, how does someone know that they are ready to do the kind of grief work that you do, and is there a time in which you suggest someone doesn't do this work yet?
0: Yes, I do. Actually, um, the way to look at life reentry is we are the second responders, okay. and not the first responders. Not the
1: first responders. Okay. Yeah, so
0: when when a loss takes place, my work my work people call me a grief expert, but I'm really a life expert after grief. <laughs> so, okay. Um, uh, you know, and and. And it comes, it stems from grief, but it's, uh, it's, you know, people say to me, you, you picked up where Elizabeth Cobler-Ross with the stages of agreement left off. You know, I'm, I'm after, I am, mm-hmm. I'm after the morning, after the, the, the stages go through. So uh, when people come to ask this question, Christina, when can I, should I buy your book? Should I come to these classes that you, what, what you know, what should I do? And I say life reentry is here when you feel that you want. To start your life off or over, but you're afraid, you're stuck. You have anxiety. You feel depressed. Grief is a a different kind of feeling. Grief is raw. It's uh, it's mourning. It's it's love upside down. You know, it's not the way fear looks like. It's a different thing. The waiting room gets created when we are getting ready to to re-enter, and the survivor self comes and says, "Don't go out again." because this is going to happen to you again. Uh, uh-huh. So when that happens, that's when we start the life reentry process. And we do it very, very gently and very carefully. I call it, we have to sneak out so the survivor self doesn't hear us leave the waiting room for an overnight um, visit. So the first few steps out are very, very quiet. And we should not be activating our fear center at all in the beginning
1: as someone who snuck out of the house a lot in high school, I will also tell you that take the screen off first (laughs) (laughs) during, during daylight hours, because that can be loud. Um, I want to, Touch on people listening who might be experiencing grief for the first time. And they might be asking themselves, you know, if they go through the reentry process mm-hmm. or, you know, re- when they return to life, does that mean that they won't experience waves of grief anymore? Does that mean that they're gonna forget about their loved one? Like what about people who are sort of because I, I feel like people, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. kind of hang on to their grief. Mm-hmm. As a way to sort of honor the person or thing that they've lost,
0: yeah. And th- this is a great question. And the way I always respond to this is that reentry cannot touch the grief at all. Unfortunately, um, the, the grief cannot be changed. It, it has to fit, be felt and expressed and and cried out and and all those things. Reentry is here for all the other things that are taking place because of the grief. When you go through, let's say the first, the first time you go through reentry for the first time and it, you're two years after your loss. It's just, it's, a, it's a good time to say, okay, now I've grieved and cried and I've, i spent time in the waiting room, which is actually a very healing place when it is used for grief. Mm-hmm. But when it is used because we're afraid to start over, then it becomes more of a prison where we, we end up staying there for a long time because the brain gets used to the comfort of the waiting room. And one of the dangerous th- dangerous things about COVID is that we are all put into this waiting room uh, right now. And the more we stay in our homes with our pajamas on, with eating pizza every night, right? And the more we don't have a reason to go out to you know showcase our new shoes and and be social and you know all those things, the harder it's gonna be when the time comes for us to go out. People think they want COVID to be gone, and we do, but when it's here, when the time comes and we are um, free to go out without masks and and all that stuff, it can actually be really hard for people to do that because the brain is used to being at home and working yeah. from here and doing everything from here, and and we're used to that waiting room. So life reentry entry requires many versions. It's almost like rewiring your brain and bringing awareness and skills as to uh, hearing the distinguishing between the three selves. The life injury has three personalities Mm -hmm. and knowing when the survivor is uh, creating the narrative and when not. And when the survivor is there, we have tools and ways to um, quiet the survivor down. Unfortunately, we can never get rid of that survivor ever, never. Mm -hmm. It will never go away. We just know how to handle it. We are more aware of what it is that we are thinking and feeling. And we can also actually see the survivor selves from other people, which is my Mm -hmm. favorite thing to do.
1: Do we see our own survivor self through other people or we see theirs?
0: Theirs. We we see see theirs and we can tell when when someone is going to get triggered, if we know about their life and we Uh know them, we can tell what's going to tick them off and we can, we can actually have compassion for them. I I was just
1: about to say that that's helped me have compassion for other people.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and not get too mad and, you know, pissed off and, and run away from them. They're just being triggered by their own survivor self. That's all. That's all there is.
1: I find myself wanting, and this would probably scare the crap out of people if I asked this question, but I, when I meet someone and I start to see their personality traits come through, <laughs> this doesn't happen with every person I meet, but there's this one person I'm thinking of that, that we play tennis with, and I so badly want to ask this person, who broke your heart and what happened? And, yes. and, and this, it's not that this person's angry, it, it, this person's a little passive aggressive and, uh-huh. and yes. I know something happened and I know this yes. person probably doesn't want to talk about it, but I'm so curious. I can, I can viscerally feel it and it's happened to me before and it's much stronger with certain people and it, it, it used to make me very uncomfortable. Um, but now I just, I'm, I'm, I've learned to manage it a little bit better, you know, as someone who identifies as an empath and uh, I know where I began and they ended, all that. but it's, uh, yeah, so much compassion for these people. Yeah. And, and, and I'm
0: like you, I, I want to, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I went to your website and I, and I was like, Oh my gosh. And Immediately she went through this. And and then I tried to imagine you as a person because of those things. And like, we are so alike. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, because knowing the story and when, when we ask that question from someone, you know, what, 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 you know, what's your story? There's Uh actually many stories that make the main story that they have this this similar thread and that survivor is actually made from the average of those stories and they have a common thread. People, you know, alcoholism, for example, any kind of addiction, food, you know, whatever that is, there's just coping mechanisms. And we know that, from those oh, I know
1: that yeah events. as someone exp- who identifies as an addict alcoholic I've been sober for 9 years it it I don't I didn't never really want to drink or fall in love with a stranger or 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 restrict calories I wanted to run away from my life I wanted to run away from the feelings that's what I was doing
0: and Andrea you know we've never met and I when I was reading your website I said to myself this woman like you were supposed to you are you have such a big, like your energy is bigger than your life.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to put like that in my it's back It's vast.
0: Park. You have like this vastness.
1: And it scares me sometimes.
0: And when it doesn't fit, you know, in, in, in your life, that's when things happen, right? And, and you have a big life, but like, we're talking about Grand Canyon life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm like? like? Yeah. This is when you're going to feel at home, even though it scares you.
1: Yes. And now my palms are sweating hearing you say that because um, I hope it's okay that I said that so much. No, no, no. I I believe you wholeheartedly. And I believe too that you have some kind of mediumship or something where you can communicate with (laughs) realms that I cannot see. And also I've had many a tarot card and psychic tell me the same thing and people who haven't met me. There was actually a psychic who told my mother that when I was about six months Mm old, on her hip and about me. So, so I believe you. And I I have
0: chills, by the way, I have chills. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad you, I I have chills. I wish I would.
0: like, I'm so glad that you've been told this many times before, because as soon as I landed on your website, I just read literally two minutes in and I said, Oh, even your foot, like everything, everything, everything about you tells me, grand, grand. And when it's not at that level, at that huge, I mean, we're talking big level, it, you're, 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 it's hard to fit into that slightly smaller space.
1: Yes. And, and I, I will say this for people listening, that as a woman... Knowing that and feeling that when I was younger. And then as I if I would act on it and sort of embrace my natural abilities and was told to quiet down, mm-hmm. that your energy is too much, your laugh is too loud, you, you know, people can't take you seriously if you smile that big and all, all of these things that are incredibly triggering to me that you know i'm 45 now and it's it's taken me about this long to fully embrace who i am and and for those of, of you listening you know whether you have you know a boisterous personality or you're more introverted and more introspective which we, damn we need those people too and yeah. <laughs> it, it, i just i wish that well, I I'm actually going to take that back. I was going to say I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through in order to to fully embrace. I I have learned. One thing I have learned is to give people the dignity of their own process. Mm-hmm. And it really is just about being self-aware enough and accepting of yourself enough to learn from all of the shit storms and wrong turns and you know, addictions and all of it in order to fully step into the woman that you were meant to be. And I wish that for everyone.
0: And Andrea, you said something so important, you know, when people were telling you not to be so loud, not to be this and that, we not only have um, the survivor within ourselves, we also have external survivor selves that, that belong to other people and your light scares them and Mm -hmm. they will, they will try to shut it down because of their own story.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, I actually wrote about that. I just turned in my manuscript a few weeks ago for my third book that comes out next year. <gasps> and there's a chapter, I think it's one of the very first ones because I know some people don't read whole, the entire book about <laughs> shining too bright because yes. we have a fear about shining others yes. and um, and taking up space because that, yes. and that's another conversation for another time. But I, I, I want to circle back because you were talking about these three different parts of ourselves. So no. is that is that the same when you're talking about that versus the three phases of reentry? No, or are so, those different?
0: Yeah. So the life reentry has five steps. Okay. And the foundation of those five steps is, you know, basically the process gets you out of the waiting room. That's that's uh-huh. the imagine imagine life reentry being um a tiny place between Counseling and coaching. Okay, it is not coaching and it is not counseling. It's life reentry. There is a gap people don't make when they go from their therapists because mm-hmm. they've gone through something really difficult to their coaches.
1: That so for, I'm going to stop you for a second. For people who don't know what that is, so counseling and therapy, generally speaking, is about looking at your past, and coaching, yeah. generally speaking, is about looking at your future. So you're talking Correct. about like the in between.
0: Life entry is a bridge.
1: Okay, between, between those two.
0: So imagine you have to jump between two buildings, and the the space between those buildings is too large for some people. Mm, okay, and they, they can't get, they can't go from talking about their feelings and and grieving their past and and just you know discussing things to what is the biggest goal of your life.
1: That's a big jump. It, yes, going like from A to Z in one second,
0: uh, especially for someone who's grieving or for someone who's gone through a devastating divorce like you did, Andrea, and mm-hmm. someone who lost a spouse, a, a child, and and they've had therapy for two years, let's say, like they've, they've really done their work and they're like, now I'm ready to start my life over, right? I, I'm going to go and do this. And then they go into this beautiful world of coaching, which is amazing, right? Um, and they, so, so I used to be a coach. Um, and I, that's how I discovered, that's how I came up with this model because I started using the methodology I was taught, which is amazing and great and wonderful. And I started seeing this pattern that people wanted to say yes to those things and they wanted them. But by the next session, the ones that had just gone through something really devastating, they couldn't actually, something was pulling them back. And I was like, "What is that thing? Where are they going? Mm-hmm. What's happening?" And and that's how I just started to make these discoveries. And and so life reentry occupies a very small space, but it's actually a very significant one—the one that makes it makes 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 your journey from from therapy to you know life coaching and and making big goals. When we're done with life reentry. Or when we are in a place where we can say, "I'm breathing fresh air again. I uh, understand myself. Um, uh, you know, I, I know my inner narrative. The inner world is actually much larger than the outer world. Now I'm ready to start um, choosing uh, goals and dreams that belong to the new identity that is here. Mm-hmm. And the three selves, which are, when I created them, um, my first book was." Uh, published in 2013 and it was called Second Firsts mm-hmm. and the life reentry model premiered <laughs> for the first time in that book. And I was like at night, my survivor self would say, Christina, people think you're crazy creating these selves and personas. And I was so scared <laughs> that, 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 it, that I was never going to be able to practice this work because people, professionals would take me down, but none of those things happened. The three selves, the survivor self the watcher self and the thriver self. The watcher self is the witness, the, the part of you that has been with you since day one and has all the wisdom and all the knowing about you. Imagine this elder. When we go through something difficult and the survivor narrative takes over, we actually forget our own wisdom. And the only way to true reentry and and living life is through that wisdom. So I call that part the watcher self because they have been watching all this time. And then the thriver self is the kid, the kid, uh. the kid self before loss. So we actually um, connect to that self in the, the last step, um, the thriver self. And we uh, allow for that voice to be remembered and th- that had no surviving, that had just just fun and play freedom. and freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, and so that you wrote about in Second First. Mhm. Okay.
0: But for the for the grieving traditional grieving um people and then we had Hey hash wanted to re re, re uh, do a new edition in 2019 which added a little bit of a little bit of that more invisible loss um okay portion. Yeah
1: okay and so the book where did you go that's totally mm-hmm. separate than second first correct yes that okay. was in
0: 2018 yeah
1: two thousand. okay and we'll we'll drop those links in the show notes too and so i'm i'm curious about the watch yourself is mm-hmm. that are you a believer and are you talking about angels and guides that are with us
0: that that is the super watcher which is in the where Did you go book the watch yourself is not a supernatural um uh, it it is it is the knowing that we have okay. about our okay. life, about our physical world, about mm-hmm. deep down, Andrea. You're you actually have a very strong watcher. You you have a lot of knowledge about yourself and about others, and th- the only time you lose that knowledge is when the survivor narrative is loud and takes over.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay makes a lot of sense to me, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) It really does, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, I love getting to have these kind of conversations (laughs) with people. Like I just, Uh, I dig it so much and I dig you so much. (laughs) I I have, you know, I'm going to have to have you back on. I am telling you now that you're going to have to come back (laughs) on next year because I still have so many questions. And is there anything before we close that that you want to say that you want to add on to anything that you said that you want to make sure that the listeners walk away with?
0: I want to say that, you know, even when we figure things out, when we find our way to to a good place, um, we will get hit again many times from loss. That's life. That's the way it is. And the one place that I find the most peace is space. It is the knowing that there's a grander design. I'm actually in love with uh, the quantum world, physics, and understanding Uh what reality is made of. And for everyone who's listening, when you go through your re-entry process, when you go through uh, your own way of finding your way back to life and things are hard, find that thing that brings you to peace no matter what reminds you that we are timeless and infinite and grander than than the whole universe.
1: Yes, ma'am. I want to record just that little section and, and play it on my phone to myself. And do you want people, what's the, what's the best place you want people to go to to learn more about you and to find you?
0: Okay. We have ChristinaRasmussen.com is the main site. Um, uh, SecondFirst.com is the blog. LifeReentry.com is the institute. And DearLifePodcast.com um, is the podcast.
1: Yes. Dear Life Podcast. And all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christina, for being here. And listeners, you know how much I value your time. Thank you for being here with me and my guest today. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody.